0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. My name is Robbie, and with me today is Jeff Colossi. How are you doing today, Jeff? Hey, Robbie. I am well. How are you? I am doing very well. So, you may be wondering if you're a regular listener, those are not the two people who are typically. This is, a, this is an unusual combination of voices that you're hearing right now. And that is because our intrepid leader is currently in Africa, which is pretty awesome. In most, I think, in most work environments, when the boss is away, then hijinks ensue. Uh, but we are in an unusual situation where the boss is typically the primary instigator of the hijinks. What are you so talking about, Robbie? It's actually been a pretty calm <laughs> week around here. <laughs> pretty quiet here in the office. What would you What would you say? Have you been extra productive this week, Jeff? It has been. Yes, I have
1: been. It's been a wonderful week.
0: Yes, a and some more, people a will hear that boring. differently than others, yes, but yeah. A little more boring, yeah. but still good.
1: It has been, and I'm so excited to hear what God does in Jay and through Jay over there when he gets back.
0: Yes, I'm guessing tune it whatever number podcast this is, you're going to want to listen to the next number, because no doubt there'll be some some great stories uh, about I So I was in west africa just a couple weeks ago and uh, jay is now in south africa which is both a country and a geographically helpful indicator he is in the southern point of africa which is actually helpfully called south africa i love when countries are named things that help locate them like that it is very (laughs) very helpful i don't have to guess where west virginia is in relation to virginia no super helpful we're in North America, South America. You know, it's nice, All right? If I if I can pinpoint South Dakota, I've got a pretty good idea where North Dakota uh-huh. is going to be on that map. So, thank you, whoever thought through that detail. Uh, also, thank you, Jeff, for this last Sunday sermon. I thought that was a fantastic job. What what i What I loved about it uh, was even though you were going through the entire book of Second Corinthians. Um. I found it really helpful that that the way you approached it was choosing a lens through which we can read 2 Corinthians on our own. So I, I felt like the sermon itself was, was really impactful, but I also felt like I was leaving with a tool in hand to better understand 2 Corinthians when I read it on my own, which was which I thought was super helpful. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that, and I'm glad that's how you heard it.
1: I have to say when any of us, you know, we have like 13 chapters to try to summarize. It is a really unique. That's challenging. Yeah, it's unique. And it's not the typical sermon prep, right? I mean, I don't know how you approach that. But for me, I'm reading and rereading and rereading and rereading the letter, which was amazing. I would highly recommend that because 2 Corinthians is just so full of amazing truths and life-changing things. And asking God, would you help me to distill this into something that is digestible and usable, you know? And I hope we landed there
0: for more, for a lot of people, hopefully not just you. <laughs> <laughs> surely, yeah. surely if it landed for me, it landed yeah. for others as well. Was there anything, uh, as you're reading and reading, you know, surely there's, there's more than one um, detail that's standing out to you. What what was something else that didn't make it into the sermon, but another either theme or verse or something that really stood out to you that if you had a second week, maybe you would spend some time unpacking?
1: Yeah, well, definitely the way um, there's a middle section of the letter, a few chapters where Paul is talking to them about a gift they were going to give to another church. So like Mm. financial giving, and this was actually going outside of their church and their city. And he spent quite a bit of time on it about being a cheerful giver and how that could work. And he, again, he'd use the same lens that we used mm-hmm. on Sunday uh, through Christ and looking at Christ. And he says that Christ was made poor so that we may become rich and he used mm-hmm. that yeah. Christ likeness to encourage them to give out of a generous heart, not a guilt ridden heart or anything else. Um, that would be worth looking into more. Yeah. And there just wasn't time. I really did feel like I joked about it on Sunday talking really, really fast or something to get through all of it, but it's all worth getting through. Yeah. So I do think it would be a, I would love to do a full look at that book at some point.
0: That really would be a great letter to do a full series on to, to walk through that whole letter because it's not one that we typically choose to do that with. And it's just so rich. It's so good. It's, it feels to me, and and maybe you can push back on this or, or if you agree, um, it feels um, much more. Not that First Corinthians isn't pastoral, but Second Corinthians feels much more pastoral. Much more. Um, I mean, it's a little more gentle, right? Because in First Corinthians, he's got to crack down a little bit. There's got things have gone haywire, and so he's he's very corrective. Uh, and then, but then Second Corinthians feels like the hey, can we can we just sit down and talk about some important stuff? Like it just it feels so so gentle, so loving. There's, there's correction in it as well, but it just feels so pastoral. What do you think? I agree with that. The tone is really
1: different and you can tell that some time had passed Mm -hmm. between, between those letters. And even the church was different by then because they were constantly growing and changing as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a very different tone and then different emphasis, especially because Paul's, a lot of what he's doing is defending his own ministry Mm -hmm. and making sure it's clear to them, like who he is and why they can't even trust what they're reading from him um, since that was attempted to being undermined. And there were at least some mm-hmm. of them who you know, believed the people who were saying, "Yes, Paul's not as good as these other guys. And the word super apostle is a fascinating word. <laughs> it is. That actually is in the text. That's not a word I was just using as a, you know, a way of marking these people. That's what the text says is super apostle. And uh, it kind of makes you think of Superman or something like yeah. even better than the apostle. So yeah, the second Corinthians 517 is in there too. And that's one of my favorite verses that says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's one worth memorizing
0: and it's one that would be a really fun sermon to preach just on that sentence. See, that's the that is the f- the joy of going through the whole book is you can you can do a whole sermon on just one sentence you can you cannot do that Jeff when you are trying to do the entire letter all in one sermon <laughs> no sorry for doing that to you by the way uh, it was great but I for my own soul it was a wonderful study and a wonderful time of pre- preparation it really was so one thing that stood out that uh, to me I wrote wrote it down and 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 literally like I actually put it in my as my phone. Lock screens so that every time I pull it up, I I see that I'm reminded of it. Uh, you you talked about reminding ourselves every day that we are in the presence of Jesus, and and certainly that is a theme that goes throughout. Paul is constantly pointing the Corinthians back to that. Um, but but it's a kind of deceptively practical thing for us to actually engage in. Like you think, well, what what does that even mean? Well, I, I can tell you just from having it on my phone. So every time I pick up my phone, I see that it, it kind of recalibrates my mind. It recalibrates, like sometimes changes my, you know, maybe I go, well, you know what, in that case, I shouldn't be wasting time on my phone right now. I should probably be doing something more important. Like that. That simple reminder has been, has been really impactful. Um, we had one question that I got after, after the sermon, I imagine you got some too, but one of them that I got, I thought was a really helpful question that maybe you could shed some light on. Um, Someone came up to me and said, okay, so you're talking about being in the presence of Jesus, that Jesus is is in our presence right now, but he sort of isn't, right? Because the incarnate Jesus, even Jesus says, like, I have to go. And it's better if I do, because then I will send the Holy Spirit. So if we're being precise, the, the, the person of the Trinity that we have that sort of connection with is actually the holy spirit so is it is it misleading or unhelpful when we talk about being in the presence of jesus should we be saying being in the presence of the holy spirit or if not why not that's like, good. i love that question so thank Me you too. whoever
1: a- a- asked that question um i hope it's not misleading like i i because i don't think it is i i think um, in my mind, it, Jesus modeled for us how to talk about that. So he, a number of times says, um, that he, that we're with him. So f- the very last sentence of the gospel of Matthew, he, he gives them the promise, behold, I am with you always mm. to the very end of the age. He also says where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am among them. Um, when we take communion, that is an act of, he's present with us in that as well. So I would say, um, Christ, when we say adjust ourselves to the reality that we're living in Christ's presence, that includes the father and the Holy spirit as well. Yeah. So it's, it's Trinitarian in nature. Um, I do think it's important that we don't think of Jesus. It's true. He is still in a body. It's a new creation body. So it's a different kind of physical, but it's physical and he's in heaven. So he's not standing with that body in this room with you and I right now, Robbie, right. But he's present. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is, like you said, we would probably say more accurately, that's the Holy Spirit who's present and dwelling in us. But we can also say it's
0: Christ. So I'm curious how you would, what would you add to that? The only thing I would add to that is because the Trinity is a mystery. Yes. Right? Because there that, that idea of oneness is is really difficult for us to Comprehend because there there isn't anything like it. All of our feeble illustrations of it's like an egg, or it's like an apple, or it's like a clover, or it's like no, it's not. It's not like any of those things. It's nothing like any of those things. It is it is not like anything that that we can tangibly relate to, and so uh, so that gets a little a little tricky. Sometimes even a little frustrating because we want it to make sense, um, but. I think that's the that's the beauty of it. And as you said, scripture uh you know, Jesus both talks about being distinct from the spirit and also says, like, where two or more are gathered, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Like he's he doesn't he doesn't make that distinction, even though in other moments he does, and he and, and he kind of clarifies, like, because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, mm-hmm. but the spirit dwelling in us is what allows us to dwell in Christ. And so really it just kind of becomes a shorthand to say in the presence of Jesus because that is true not in the sense that I'm in the presence with you uh, or of you but but it is still true because of this miraculous paradoxical mysterious way that the Trinity functions yes I love that you said the mystery part
1: I was just having this very conversation with one of our kids this week because that mm-hmm. youth at faith youth this week they talked about the Trinity that's that right. That was the topic. Yeah. And, uh, and the conversation in the car ride on the way home was how any um, kind of human analogy we make, like you gave the egg and maybe water or something, yeah, none of those actually work because God is unique. Because there's no other one or thing like him. We can't do it by analogy. And the hard part right. for us as humans is that's how we learn. Like every that's time right. we learn something, it's related to something else we already know. That's right. So... But God isn't like that. I mean, thankfully, some of some of who He is is like He has communicable attributes that are like what we have. We inherit them from Him, like loving, for example. Um, but the Trinitarian nature is unique because we are unipersonal, That's right? right. It's tripersonal, so we just can't <laughs> grasp it. But I do love the question because it does it it helps you to what you are imagining and thinking about when you are thinking. I need to want to know that He's with me is really important. It really is. It is. So you could also say we need to adjust ourselves every day to the reality that we're living in God's presence. You could also say that we're living in the Father's presence. Mm-hmm. Jesus very much lived that way, that he was always in the Father's presence. There was never a space where he wasn't. You could Psalm 139 is a great example of that, where there's no place you can go to escape. That's right. He's always with you. So yeah, I love that question.
0: And I think, I think what's valuable in saying in Christ's presence, as opposed to God's presence, is because God is very nebulous and, and you can use the term God and mean something radically different than what scripture communicates about who God is. So I like the, uh, Jesus as the, as sort of the shorthand, because then we're specifying who, what, what God, are we speaking of? Right? Like what Christ-like specifically? <laughs> the one who's just like Jesus, because yeah. Jesus is God, um, and and I I feel like it's fair. I feel like the Father is okay with that, since Scripture says like Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that that He is an exact imprint of His nature and His character. So He, the Father, sends Christ, sends Jesus so that we can have an illustration to point to, to say, oh, what's God like? He's like Jesus, right? That's part of the beauty and the purpose of the incarnation is we have something, someone to point to, to say, well, what's God's character like? Well, he's like Jesus. Because you're right, in most aspects about God, we can't do that, which is a bummer. Because, I mean, that's why C.S. Lewis is so awesome, mm-hmm. right? Because he takes all these really complex things, uh, the, these these huge philosophical spiritual ideas, and says, well, it's just like the keys on the piano. And you're like, it is just like the keys on the piano. And suddenly that very complex thing feels very simple and tangible. But you can't do that with some aspects of God. And when, if you do that, it makes it unlike God and actually, I mean, ends up pretty much every time leading to a historical heresy one way or another of Unfortunately, but, but those those heresies across Christian history pop up because we're trying too hard to say no, no, no. God needs to make sense; therefore, it must work like this, and then you end up making a statement that is contrary to what Scripture says, because Scripture is paradoxical, often, which also is a good thing because I really want to worship a God that's bigger than I can understand. Because if this P brain can understand everything there is to understand about God, that God is not worth worshiping. Exactly. I think it makes him all the more praiseworthy and, and the
1: truths that we're reading about in the scriptures, all the more believable Hmm. because it's hard, like human minds couldn't have imagined the things that Hmm. are described. And to me, that's, that's an encouraging thing, um, that this was actually from God to us
0: rather than the other way around. That's really good. So, do you have any any practical thoughts to the person who says, "Okay, I get it, love that. Uh, I, I really want to practice the presence of Jesus, right? I want to grow every day in my understanding and remember, you know, reorient my life around the reality that I am in the presence of Jesus. Where where do I start? What do I do?" Well, I
1: would say. It starts the night before, hmm. and that's not my original idea. I, I learned that, um, but starting the, like you're going to bed, deciding and praying and asking God. As I when I wake up in the morning, I intend fully. I want to enjoy Jesus's presence. I want to know He's near me, and you might also decide when I wake up, I'm going to open up. The scriptures and I'm going to read a Psalm or I'm going to pray the Lord's prayer or something like that. And so that's why I say, start the night before, because then once you hit your day, you can, you can just walk into the things that you've prayed through with God and that you've already planned ahead of time. Hmm. I, I have a hard time for me. I would not be able to live in his presence and know I'm in his presence the way I, I want to, if I'm not getting some sort of scriptural input every day. Yeah. I mean for me, it doesn't have to be a ton. I'm not talking about, you know, always reading all of Second Corinthians at all. It could be a few paragraphs, but I know that I need to get something from His Word in me to reorient myself. You said recalibrate, that's an awesome word to recalibrate yourself to what's real. Hmm. The Lord's Prayer has been really useful for me for that. And I know depending on your background and your experience of the Lord's Prayer, it may or may not be. Um, but for my background, I did not grow up praying that regularly. It wasn't something that was encouraged in my church and discovering that I could pray the Lord's prayer every day, both the words literally, but also the content and phrase by phrase has really helped me because when I do that, I'm remembering that Jesus is this. He's the one that taught this prayer and this came out of his mouth. Right. And so then I just feel like I'm entering into that with him. Mm. I recently actually was watching the news about um, what's going on in Ukraine and they showed a wall that had been like a, a jail cell. And on that wall written in Ukrainian was the Lord's prayer that this Hmm. prisoner had written on the wall. And in that moment, it was really, for me, powerful to think that as I've been praying that I was praying along with someone in that situation, who's also praying it, crying out for help and joining. That's beautiful. It was, yeah, it was really powerful. Um, So I would commend that as well. I mean that's a couple things. How about for you? Really good. What has been helpful for you? It's helpful to hear this because we're all wired differently. So
0: what yeah. might help me might not help someone else. I so for me I I love making lists and coming up with plans and I'm terrible at finding that list twenty minutes after I have written it. So I I have I have big plans. I have big ideas. So I love the idea of. The night before setting that up, making those plans and and part of that making those plans is setting up the triggers so that when I wake up the next morning, I remember to follow through on that plan. So that's why, like I said earlier, I, I changed the lock screen so that I can't I can't turn on my phone. I can't do anything on my phone without seeing you are in the presence of, right now, you are in the presence of Jesus. And just that, that reminder, that trigger of, ah, oh yeah, because my mind was cluttered with the things that I have to do or a problem or a conflict or, uh, or just, I don't know, a, a monkey wearing a top hat riding around on a tricycle. Whatever happens to be going <laughs> through my mind at that particular moment that is not Jesus, I need, I need, to kind of be shaken back into that. And so I'm going to, I'm the guy who's going to like take a dry erase marker and write something on my mirror in the bathroom and put a post-it note in my car and put something on my keyboard on my laptop. So that as soon as I open it up, there's going to be a note right there because I just can't trust my own brain to remember But that doesn't mean that I throw up my hands and say, all right, I guess I'm just not going to be a presence of Jesus all day guy. Like I need to figure out how to work around my own weaknesses and say, okay, that just means when I'm part of that planning, when I'm doing the checklist, which I enjoy doing, I need to staple that thing somewhere that I'm not going to lose it because I want to be able to find it later. When I say I want to start the next morning in the presence of Jesus, that means I'm going to have to put a trail of breadcrumbs that lead me right to that place where I'm going, ah, yes, this is what I committed to do last night. And then as soon as I'm reminded of that, then, then my excitement and my desire takes over and, and then it becomes easy because I actually want to do that thing. I just get distracted away from it. If I'm not, if I'm not intentional in preparation.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I love how practical that is. And for each one of us, we will have unique challenges That's right. To overcome. So, what the breadcrumbs that you need are different than what I need and that that someone else needs, but we probably all need them at some level. And I do think the language is important. So, um, the idea of adjusting yourself or remembering that you're living in God's presence is an intentional wording because you are always living in His presence if you're in Christ. It's just that sometimes we aren't attuned to that reality. So, like, we just go through our day and we forget, we're unaware. We're doing something else, whatever it is. Um, so we're not actually making something happen that isn't already happening. Exactly. We are becoming aware of what's already happening. And for me, when I'm aware of that, one of the biggest ways it changes my day, besides just tangible comfort as I walk through the day, is I am I am much more apt to and ready to pray when I know mm-hmm. He's near and I'm in His presence. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I'm with someone and they need something, of course I would pray because God's right here. Right. He is ready to act. He's ready to intervene and help. Same with me. You know, if I'm stewing in my head about something, I described that monologue to dialogue dynamic. If I'm aware that I'm in his presence, then it's very natural and normal that I would just interact with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that if if you and I are both in the room and someone comes in and says, Hey, I have a question about cycling and I'm going to go, Hey, just Jeff. He's right here. He loves that. And he's really good at that. Like that's, that's a, that's a great picture. I don't think we, we necessarily think of very often that, that when I am oriented around the reality that Christ is here, then naturally I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to go to conversation with him because he's right there. It really like, makes the most sense. You know, you don't have to convince me then.
1: Right. Like, okay, that's right. I can do that. Wow. I get to do that. That's what you start to feel. This is all God's grace too. We we're totally dependent on him to make us aware and to help be attuned. And it's that, that dependence does not negate our efforts. And that's a key thing. So Robbie, you just, you described, you know, the, the notes and other things, those are efforts but it's dependent effort. So it's Absolutely. God-empowered effort. And same with me when I'm opening up a psalm or I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, that's not just in my strength, right? That's dependent effort on Him. That's good. That's really good.
0: Anything anything else that uh, you feel like you wish you had said differently or would love to be able to expand on a little bit from, from the sermon on Sunday? I wish that I had time to tell more stories. Like I told mm. the one story. Yeah of uh,
1: yeah. our 89-year-old awesome dear sister. And I intentionally didn't say her name because I didn't ask ahead of time and I didn't want to embarrass anybody. Um, but I was. heard that she was chatting in the, in the chat on Sunday. So she was there and heard it. <laughs> uh, but there are so many examples of this strength of weakness mm. of people in our midst right now in our church family who are going through challenging things, heartbreaking things, um, sorrow, all of that. And they're clinging to Jesus in the midst of it. And Mm -hmm. they are really strong people. Even though I know they don't feel that way. Because that's, That's I think, part of what that means is that you won't necessarily feel like you're strong, but you actually are. Right. That's why we need the scriptures to reveal that to us.
0: Because he promises that his power is made perfect in our weakness. So we don't have the perception of strength. I am acutely aware of my weakness. And yet the impression that I give is one of power because it's his power that is emanating in that. That's so true. That's so true.
1: And it's alarming. Part of the the other side of that coin is that what's true about us all the time is that we are limited and that we are actually weak, but we don't always know that and feel that. So Mm. actually sometimes getting to that place of feeling, I cannot do this anymore. Mm. I cannot get through this without him. That's actually us feeling what's always true and we just are unaware again mm. it's like the reality of christ same idea we are by nature dependent on him for everything all the time we just don't always feel that yeah and yeah. it's not that it feels good to know to feel that necessarily because it's like the end of our own rope the end of our own resources right
0: we actually put a significant amount of effort in trying to never feel
1: that way yes we do yeah, so I do wish I could have told more stories because there are there are a lot among us, and um, I'm sure people listening have their own experiences like that, where they have depended on him
0: and found unbelievable strength, more than they could have imagined, is available to us. Well, if you're listening right now and you have one of those stories, we would really love to hear that because those are not only encouraging to us, but uh, are encouraging to uh, to the rest of the body. Here, either, either this local community or, or to the one that you're a part of. So please, uh, if you have stories of of moments of weakness where you uh, either felt the power of God working in and through you and through that circumstance, or or others noticed something in you that you weren't able to discern yourself because you, all you felt was weakness, and yet they were somehow miraculously encouraged uh, by you. We want to, we want to hear that. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to. I want to praise God alongside you in that. And if you hear that and you think, I don't know that I have ever experienced that, but I want to, then we want to help you. Please uh, reach out. You can find us after service on a Sunday morning, or you can reach out at connect at faithpeshtogo.com. And we would love to have the privilege of walking alongside you in that. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And grace and peace to you.